0: Visit roberthalf.com today.
1: Ronaldo, rinse and repeat. Defense is the first form of offense for Chelsea, and Barcelona's goal-scoring problems continue on a record-breaking day for Americans. And here's an American with me now. Heath Pierce and I are here to talk about all the action from Tuesday's Champions League match day five. Giggle lasso, Champions League begins right now. Hey, everybody, welcome to Giggle Lasso, our Champions League Tuesday match day five. Recap Heath Pierce, how are you, my friend? I'm
2: doing really well. What an exciting day uh, to be in American and Champions League, which we'll talk about. But uh, life is good, man. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm good. I'm good to have you. I saw our friend Jimmy Conrad uh, today at HQ. I see you now digitally. It's been a good day. It's always a good day when I see uh, HP and Jimmy Conrad. But HP, uh, and yours truly here, thank you so much for being part of the show. This is live, everybody. Please send your comments and your questions Uh, Manchester United fans, Chelsea fans, uh, Juventus fans. I want to hear from you. HP wants to hear from you. Ask anything to do with the Champions League from today, and we'll try and get them on the screen, courtesy of our producer, Des Norris, and we'll try and answer the questions. Uh, If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating and review whenever you can. Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube.com, forward slash Kegolasso. By the way, Heath, we're so close, man, to 5,000 subscribers on YouTube. That's crazy. It's crazy. It's a baby YouTube channel page and we're getting there to 5,000. Amazing. Uh, you know, and you are a major part of it. How do you feel about that? I feel great.
2: And to be honest with you, that kind of growth around live content is really a really, a, a big challenge on the YouTube platform. And I know YouTube really does like their live content, but to go that quickly and get people subscribed. And I know there's been a bunch of other content as well, but it's, uh, yeah, just a testament to your hard work. I know that you're on the grind. Des, now um, you guys are putting in uh, a lot of work so much so that I'm going to go on one of my accounts that I know is not subscribing and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit that subscription button. I want to be the 5,000th uh, subscriber. That, I know, would that would be amazing.
1: That would be amazing.
2: So yeah, man, congrats. Congrats to all you. Thank you to everybody that watches this, that listens to this in, in, in audio form. It's been such a fun journey for me to be a part of small part of, uh, but, but really excited to keep this going.
1: Absolutely, man. Great words. And yes, we have to commend our hero behind the scenes, Des Norris, who does such amazing work. But Heath Pierce, man, you and Jimmy with the USMNT content. I know, I know, everybody, we're going to get into the Champions League, but it's definitely worth mentioning about the family that we're growing. So we're getting to 5,000, okay? So during this episode, if we hit 5,000, okay, our producer Des Norris is saying that we're in 4995 right now. But if we hit 5,000, we're going to sing some songs for you. All right, Heath Pierce and I will bust the chops out, and we'll try and get some uh, some some musicality in this show. Okay, we'll go a little crazy just to say thank you. Okay, but we're getting closer to five thousand. But during the show, as we talk Champions League, our producer Des Norris will get to it, Um, and Des will throw it up on the screen as well. He'll get to that number once we get to that goal by the way we only launched this earlier this year this hasn't been around for that long so thank you so much everybody for being part of K.O. lasso we hope that you stay and continue to help us grow um hey HP, i just you know hit i
2: just no i just hit the i just hit the fam with two subscriptions so that uh my two most common accounts that i use are now uh Subscribed. I love it. I I, I was I was subscribing to my personal account, but now I got uh, the other one so that no matter where I am or what I'm doing or what device I'm on. I'm definitely getting a notification when this uh, pod goes live. so I oh,
1: what am I thinking? I need to go on my Peruvian WhatsApp family group and every I and mean, then they'll just get the entire South America uh, to jump on this. but you know, usually you have to pay them for something yeah, to yeah,
2: you stuff. gotta send them that Christmas box of uh <laughs> boots from the states. but exactly, you know
1: exactly. <laughs> well, uh speaking of which, by the way, uh, this is obviously uh in Thanksgiving week. so thank you all for being part of this show and let's get straight into it. Manchester United. Heath Pierce wins two nothing against Villarreal, and that means that Manchester United, courtesy of Jadon Sancho and Cristiano Ronaldo, w- look at that four nine nine nine. We're so close, everybody. Help us, baby. Help us. Just like Ronaldo helped United today, and helped the Red Devils get. Knockout stage qualification. I don't know how they do it, Heath Pierce, but this probably means that Michael Carrick will be offered a ten-year permanent deal yeah, now yeah. that they've gone that thing. But listen, uh, Bruno Fernandes was benched. Uh, we saw Dani Van de Beek start from uh, go from the start. The hair and Ronaldo uh, were to the rescue. The hair was good once again. But Ronaldo, fourteen goals, five assists in twenty matches. Uh, and to be honest with you, good news for Villarreal because Atalanta did draw. But we'll talk about that in a second. Manchester United, Heath, you know, they're in the knockout stages. Michael Carrick, interim manager. How are you feeling? I mean, the one thing I'll say from
2: this, because it did require De Gea to stand on his head to keep this match level, which you, you need him to do, right? If you're a big club, you need to have a goalkeeper you can rely upon. We know De Gea's has had super highs. He's had some lows as well in terms of being the one that you can rely upon over the years. But overall, I thought it's been a successful goalkeeper at Manchester United. But the one to me that was the biggest bounce back, okay, Bruno Fernandes to the bench. I think that's an important one because he's been so heralded and so glorified because of the things he does when he does them. That we, sometimes we look at what he doesn't. We don't. We 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 sweep over what he doesn't do in a match when things aren't going well or the duplicative nature of of having him on the field at the same time as Ronaldo of these big um, sort of game changer type uh, moment players versus the flow and the run of the game. The one thing I wanted to talk about, Jadon Sancho. Now he missed a huge chance chance in this one, but when I saw the activity. I don't know what you saw from this one, but I saw a different body language. I saw a willingness to go forward, a belief and a confidence that just in these glimpses is seeing the player that we saw uh, at Borussia Dortmund that was widely considered one of the five to ten best attacking players in the world that led to that transfer fee, um, and and one that I'm really excited to see sort of come back to life. Obviously, Van de Beek also uh, making the starting lineup, as you mentioned, but that's a player that I'm like, okay, this is one where you, you talk about managerial changes and things not working out, where right away you can see, this is my opportunity. Michael Carrick seriously, obviously immediately gives him an opportunity to believe in him and back him in a way that perhaps he didn't. And sometimes when you have assistant coaches, they have you your back a little bit, right? You have, you, have And it's different in England where you have the manager. And managers can often be a little bit more removed than we have in other leagues around the world where he has this coaching staff that does a lot more of the tactical sessions and he's more of like the general manager that, is at the sessions, but he's talking less. He's more of sort of, I don't know, just a, there's more of a dynamic with the coaching staff when you have managers in some teams. And then you have these assistant coaches that are sort of job or or part of their job is to to put their arm around you when things are going tough and be honest with you, but also make you feel good. Also create a little bit of that personal relationship. We saw this thing with John, John Terry recently, right? Where he was talking about some of the things that he learned from from uh, Dean Smith about how he's like, well, did you ask him about his personal life and these things going through this pandemic and the importance of ego and man management and how important that is that I'm assuming there's some sort of rapport built up between the two of them that allowed him to sort of have that belief and confidence in him of saying, well, if I was... Or, or he accidentally said, well, if I was the head coach, I would, uh, I would play you every time and then uh, ended up becoming the head coach and had to play him. But overall, you could just see a different body language from Sancho that I thought is really, really important. And then, you know, seeing Martial on the field, Rashford coming in, being uh, extremely busy. I, I just think that there's, there's, there's a lot going on there that at least there's a breath of fresh air. I still wonder if it's the right group, but at least the, it was nice to see uh, some, some new and positive energy there.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, it's going to be tricky because obviously in order for what, Martial, Donny van de Beek and Jay- and Sancho to be featuring right behind Ronaldo, you know, Bruno Fernandes had to be benched. Uh, Rashford came in later. So there's a lot of, you know, uh, players here that Michael Carrick has to figure out. And, you know, it's going to be interesting here, Heath Beers, because I, I went on HQ with uh, Ian and Poppy and and Jimmy and, and basically, Ian asked me the question, because I said, I don't think Ronaldo was a was a smart purchase. It was more of a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound when they have to focus on so many places. And obviously, he scores today, and, and Ian's rebuttal is that, well, you know, they're top of the group, they're in the knockout stages. But that's like a small picture issue as opposed to the bigger thing. And that's trying to find somebody that's going to lead the way. And I'm wondering, Heath, What's gonna happen? Let's say Michael Carrick he gets this win. They play Chelsea on week. Can you imagine, Heath, if United beat Chelsea? What is the conversation going to be with Michael Carrick then? Because this is exactly what happened with all the social, right? You
2: got to give him five transfer windows. That's how you do it. You know, you get five two wins like this. You get five transfer windows. That's the rules. I don't make them. I just follow them. That's what he's gonna get. But 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 honestly, there is there is certainly. I don't think. I think they tried it with Ole Gunnar. I think Ole Gunnar was part of a project that he's taken in a certain way. Whether he, it was his idea to bring in Ronaldo or not, I think this is a short-term uh, fix. It's short-sighted uh, to have a Ronaldo in there, just knowing the magnitude of what comes with him. Obviously, the reason I say that is because you know Ronaldo will do so much so often for your team that it's hard to think about playing without him or it's hard to think about shifting your lineup or your style of play that doesn't involve or revolve around him. That's what makes it hard. It's not whether or not Ronaldo is a good signing for the team. Of course, he's a great signing for the club. Of course, he's a great signing for results and goals. But how that fits into a larger picture within an even larger picture of the project of where you're trying to go, I think it pauses things and disrupts things for the short time because of the fact that, The game now revolves around him and his ability, and his ability to create these huge moments. But with regard to Michael Carrick, and and by the way, Daniel Kane said something about we better talk about the Americans. We will. We're going to talk about the Americans.
1: Uh, Don't worry, we literally have a whole segment about it. All right, relax. When, 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 by the way, if you talk about America, nobody on YouTube at the very least, talks about USMNT more than this channel. We have a USMNT hour every single week with two former USMNT internationals. So don't even get me started, but we have a segment. Don't you worry. How about Peruvians in the Champions League? Maybe one day we'll talk about that. Yes. Don't worry, Daniel, we got you covered. And by the way, a few comments regarding United. One of them uh, from Ilias, thank you so much for Commenting about the manager search, Pochettino leads the race here. By the way, we have another YouTube video with Ben Jacobs. But Heath, Pochettino is speaking, you know, and this is in relation to what you were talking about. Uh, Pochettino remains uh, the leader here. He's, but you know, he was a little, a little uh, hostile in his press conference, saying, "Look, we're not here to talk about this. I'm here to talk about PSG." But clearly, he wants the gig. It's about whether it's going to happen or not. how do you see it unfolding.
2: Yeah, it's tough to say because Pochettino is being is being forced to comment on these things, which makes it even more confusing. Obviously, uh, saying that we're not here to speak about the United interests. I respect my club, PSG. He says I'm happy in Paris. I love the club and the fans. That's but all then you true. go, but then you go, uh, but as, you know he's being forced to speak about these things based on the questions. Because what's worse than saying that is saying no comment. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, uh, exactly. because then the speculation really goes. So you almost have to play. Out of both sides of speaking, out of both sides of uh, your 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 mouth or your neck or yeah uh, yeah y- your um, your
1: entrance and exit uh, yeah uh, yeah
2: yeah exactly and so uh, I I still think he has to be the front runner I don't think there's a lot of other or any other options that you want to care take the baton again I see Brendan Bren- Rogers oh I mean shoot Brendan Rogers had a you know, I don't know man magnitude <laughs> I mean we saw. Remember, if you go back to what was it a year in or something like that for for Jurgen Klopp versus Brendan Rodgers, Brendan Rodgers had a better had a better record than than Jurgen Klopp did, but there was a different belief system, right? There was a hey, you took it this far, I took it, but we took a little tiny step back, but we're gonna take two giant leaps forward. Believe, trust in the process, and you could feel that as you went. Uh, I think the next thing for this is now. The next manager has to be able to come in and figure out what to do with the players that you have. Make some tough decisions. That means maybe Rashford surplus. Maybe that means... Martial uh, even, Martial. even though
1: he started to... Donny van de Veek like, he's, yeah. you know, he's been the one saying, listen, if I don't get more minutes, I, I want out. Like, my thing is this. Um, there's two issues. This is the big... Well, it's not. It's one issue split in two, right? One is you need a manager. You need somebody that can help you, you know, see the vision, whatever that vision may be. So. What do you do? Do you get an interim to replace the interim right now, which Ernesto Valverde is possibly one of those people. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the other part is, do we wait until the summer? We just suck it up. We wait until the summer because then Eric Ten Hag could be available. Right. Other managers could come in. It's a, it's the, basically it's the same problem they had before Socher came in. <laughs> yeah, I would. <laughs> Daniel Heath and Jimmy could definitely manage Manchester United. I might not even hate them. I don't know if that's a compliment from Daniel Heath. If if he says, does he say, is he saying that Man United is that bad that yeah. even me and you could do it?
2: Is, uh, yeah, I'm not. one I'm wondering what Daniel means by that. Like he could not hate us, as in like he might like us if we did well, and hates us now. There's a lot of layers to that that we don't have time to figure out. But I'm hoping that Daniel, it about it. Daniel Kane is saying something positive about the whole situation.
1: All right. Um, well, we let can, me do this for you, yeah, Heath. Yeah. Before we move on, okay? Who? What? I'm gonna just quick, quick fire answer. Okay. Who is the manager? It, this is March. We're in March. Who's the manager of Manchester United? Come, come
2: March of next year. Yeah. Well, that's a little tough because you're kind of in the middle of a weird window right there where it's okay, like, fine, you know, uh, say, give, me or give me January, give me August.
1: Okay. <laughs> like, Jan- okay. January, January, uh,
2: January. I think if there was a, uh, I think January, you stick with Carrick. If he gets a couple of these results We're a little premature to do that now, but there's obviously some sort of buy-in from the team. That is a small, tiny, itty bitty little sample size of the way that they played. I still think that they weren't very great defensively. I don't know if that's going to be solved uh, unless you go into a, a transfer window with some, with a war chest to, to be able to fix that because on paper, those are great defenders. They're just not playing well at all, or even living up to the standard that they're supposed to be. And then on the flip side, uh, I, I look at, uh, a tin hog and I think about the young players that they have in the team right now, the dynamic of the team, you think about post Ronaldo Aaron, I'm like, that's a pretty attractive, uh That's not till the summer. Position. There's no That's way. That's not till summer, yeah, exactly. And is
1: not leaving Ajax midseason? Well, uh,
2: well, Ajax are having a potential historic year and it's one of those years where they actually have a decent blend of older players and young superstars where usually they le- tend to lean a little bit younger uh in more positions where they've got some veteran ship that could lead to one of those magical years where they go... Far obviously a couple of years ago they went to a, I think it was a semifinal of a, of of the Champions League but mm-hmm. uh, this is one where it just looks a little bit less of a Cinderella run and more of a team that's like oh wow this is a contender for Champions League yeah, uh, because because of how good they are so but that's one that I think again if you look at that that's one that you have to invest in multiple years it's not this guy's going to come and win us a trophy overnight this the next manager needs to be the one that they go. We hope this is a ten-year manager. We hope this is a, and maybe we've lost. I, I think we have moved away from the era of managers staying one because of their own interests, two because the pressure of fans, the pressure of a club, the financials around it. There's not a lot of uh, Ferguson's. There's not going to be a lot of uh, arson bangers anymore, which kind of makes me sad because they 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 were the staple of these clubs. Players come and go. The manager stuck around. Um, and those you know are who Peter
1: Schmeichel said on uh, on the on our show? Uh, what did he say? St- Steve Bruce would be. Uh, I don't, it, you know, th- there's this uh, loyalty with former Manchester United players. That's that's all I'm gonna say about that. Well,
2: that's, that's why it. I like the Zidane thing because Zidane is one where you need to have a big enough name that gets the respect from the players. The oh, same way- I like
1: it. Zidane will never do it. Yeah. Just, yeah. Definitely not now. He's not one to join midseason anyway, especially in a culture that he's never managed in. But anyway, anyway, let's move on because we are sticking with Michael Carrick as far as Manchester United is concerned, and we are sticking with 4,999 subscribers for YouTube. Lasso, Come on, bring it to 5,000, and we will sing that song. Let's do it. All right, let's move on. Barcelona-Benfica to a stalemate, which means Xavi has to go to Germany and get a win, get a result against Bayern Munich, who, in my opinion, are in the top four in the power rankings. And uh, it's going to be tough. And by the way, that game, if you didn't see it today, I mean, you know, Barcelona had their moments, but... Seferovic uh at the very end of that game had a break it was a breakaway for Benfica Seferovic is literally one-on-one with Ter Stegen. he like I don't know if he did it accidentally or not but he like uh, dips the ball over Ter Stegen. he has the goal in front of him and he goes wide a massive miss for Benfica so Barcelona Escape really how do you see this one Barcelona don't get the win Heath Pierce
2: yeah, you know, this was one that I was watching uh, on the split screen, but watching it a little bit less than 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 some of the other games that I had. But it just felt like if you look at the the, the last results against them, this was one that Barcelona had to win. I think Benfica won the first one three 0 Benfica got battered by Bayern two times. I think five and by four four goals, and it just felt like Barcelona needed to to, to prove themselves in this match and ultimately didn't, right? I think they're still in a decent position. They're leaving it down to the last day, which is against Bayern Munich, which isn't good.
1: Add add Bayern Munich too. Yeah, but again,
2: what I I really like about just the, the Xavi approach to this is it feels like the edge is off a little bit now that he's in. It doesn't feel like the chaos from before that this is incremental moments. Now, do I think it would be a damn shame if they don't make the knockout rounds knowing that they have Xavi, knowing that they have this work in progress while still being able to advance and do things. I don't think they have any chance to go much further than that. I don't think at, at their very, very best right now, they can be a team that makes a deep run. Uh, but to, to but to play away uh, for Bayern in your last game that will get you in, potentially get you into that will get you in if you get a result uh, into the knockout rounds, I think is a huge challenge. But it feels like eh, if it doesn't, you know, Europa League, I guess. And yeah, no, it, it, wouldn't be, like, it wouldn't be. It just also. feels think, like it's positive uh, yeah. regardless. Even though they didn't play particularly well, they should. They could have lost that game there in the end. It just feels like, at least it feels like the tide and the momentum or the energy around the team isn't so toxic and more towards, hey, we are what we are and we're going to keep moving forward with this.
1: Yeah, and I think honestly, you know, I just think it's more about that miss really gave them the opportunity to get something against Barcelona and then go second. But Listen, Barcelona need, need something at Bayern because Benfica will will win against Dynamo uh, Kiev, I imagine. So that that's a big one. Um, Chris, thanks for your question. Who's the rest of your top power rankings? I'll go first and then I'll let Heath go. I have four power rankings in the Champions League. It's not difficult, to be honest with you. And you may think I'm being biased towards the Premier League, but it's not. It's just facts, man. It's
2: well, here facts. goes
1: Chelsea, Liverpool, and uh, Man City. And who's the fourth? Bayern Munich.
2: Okay, there you like,
1: go. Like so I'll sneak it in in no particular order. I I mean what we'll go, we're going to talk about it in a second but what Chelsea did to Juventus was just embarrassing. Like Wait, Chelsea,
2: did you say no particular order for a power rankings? That's not how power rankings work. Give all right. Us, fine. Give us the particular order.
1: All right, well let's do literally what you just said. I think okay. Chelsea. Okay. I think Liverpool.
2: Okay.
1: I think Man City. And I think Bayern Munich. Would if, if, Knowing what
2: you know now about the AFCON, right, knowing that Liverpool are going to potentially, potentially would, you, would, you, going. would you move them in your power rankings at all? Or do do their, their odds change knowing there could be a good... Well, listen, I mean, the power them. rankings
1: are based on right now, right? Yeah. So, you know, I think that once we look ahead into the knockout stages, to your point about all those players missing for the African Cup of Nations, then you have to start rethinking who is really going to miss key players here and Liverpool's really gonna miss a lot here. So I would stick with Chelsea. Perhaps Man City then go moves up and then Bayern third and then Liverpool fourth. But it's a very tight win because you know you also have to rely on the fact that these are four very good managers and know exactly yeah. what they're doing. I listen, what Chelsea did today against Juventus, I mean, we know that Juventus has been struggling as of late, but I mean it's a record loss for them in the Champions League, is it not? Yeah, and sure. actually,
2: actually, Juventus haven't been terrible lately. Uh, you know, I, I at least I could be completely wrong on that, but I believe they've been they've been decent as of late. And maybe I'm no, just thinking through no, that through okay. through, yeah. through the lens of Weston McKinney being better than he was a few months ago. But I um, see
1: McKinney was good today. He just he gave you know a, a, one mistake at the very end with that ridiculous Reese James cross, and then McKinney mistimed it But he was pretty. good. Yeah.
2: yeah, he was he, he was a solid, he was solid in this. And what's weird is that. When he's actually, and I and I don't see him do this enough, or at least at the pace that he does it, at the Champions League level, and maybe it's the TV angles, or maybe it's just the pace of the game that's different than when he's with the national team, he's much more urgent when he's in the attacking third. Running mm. at players, trying to beat the first man, whipping the ball in, his game seems to go at a little bit faster of a pace, whereas on the national team, it seems like he puts his foot on it a little bit more when he's up and around the box, but shows again continues to show that, like we're talking about a big Champions League game, and he's up for the task, he's up for the challenge, he was one of uh, the best uh, players
1: for Juventus. Yeah. Hey, by the way, before you keep going, uh, we, we, we're we sorry, everybody. We're going to take a break. Uh, if you're watching live, that really doesn't mean anything. All right, so just stay here. But if you're listening on audio, we're taking a break. When we come back, we will keep going with this conversation because Chelsea did thrash Juventus for nothing. And we will. Yes, Daniel, we will get into it. USMNT record. Uh, today. It looked really good for the Americans. So, Que Champions League, Match Day 5, Recap Tuesday. We'll be right back.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Hey, everybody. Told you that we're live and we're still going here. There's Norris. If we're hitting 5,000, I want to hear about it because I want to sing. I'm ready to sing, baby. 5,000 subscribers. Heath Pierce is ready. All right, let's see. Oh, Des is like, I know, shut up. I know. We're still
2: me. on 4999. I I might have a, a silent protest until we get to 5,000. <laughs> I, I might literally just sit here quietly until we get that. Which might actually Heath, make people happy, and then we'll just sit there for like 20 Heath, more minutes.
1: Keith, let's just hum, and then until we get yeah. 5,000, like hum. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, uh, Chelsea wins 4-0 against Juventus. Uh, Chaloba, uh, Reese James, Thiago Silva, by the way, I don't know what this. I, I think Peter Drury said it during commentary. I believe it's fifteen defenders, Heath Pearce, that have scored for Chelsea this season so far. That's a remarkable number for just defenders. For yeah. Thomas Law, it just goes to show how anybody can score. Romelu Lukaku, you don't need, what? What do you even bring him? You don't even need him. Chelsea are good from everywhere.
2: Yeah. It's one of those stats that if you told me it, I'd be like, stop, man, that's not true. And like, no matter how much you tried to sell me on that, I'd be like, that's just not true. It's not possible, but it's, it's insane this team. And then again, when you talk about players stepping up, right? We're talking about Hudson Odoi, Reese James. We're talking about uh, a number of players that are rotated in this squad. We can see 22 to 26 players roll out at any time for this Chelsea side. And they seem to play up to it. And again, there's that fine line between tinkering and then having a team that rotates and a trust and a belief knowing that you're playing 70 games a year and that you're you're going to rely upon those players. A lot of that happens in the locker room. A lot of that is from leadership. A lot of that is from management. But to be able to do that and put on a convincing performance like this where you're getting goals out of uh, Chalaba, when you're getting goals out of Reese James, when you're getting goals across the board, a player stepping up and rising to that moment knowing that the weekend's going to come and somebody else is going to be called upon to, to score those goals when you have arguably the top two or three striker in the world, uh, off the pitch or not playing, uh, for your team is a really wild, uh, concept, you know, And Christian Pulisic playing at the, at the nine spot for a lot of this game, yeah. um, is, is a, is a pretty wild concept considering that while he didn't score in that position, there were four, uh, really good goals and really good team goals. And then obviously to turn that into usually when you go up that many goals, you, you take your foot off the pedal, you give up a goal. That's just one of the things that's guaranteed. is Chelsea doesn't want to give you any goals, and they will beat you. And if you give them enough chances, they'll they'll score multiple goals. It's it's yeah. uh, it, it, again when I go back to your power rankings, I would love to know everybody else's power rankings of where they are. Yes, send them in.
1: Send them in on the comment section. We would love to see them. But Chelsea today, but by the way, it didn't come without some hurt, right? And Golo I believe, came off injured, and so did Ben Chilwell. He he was struggling coming off the pitch as well. So that's going to be a little alarming as they head into the weekend and face Manchester United, but regardless for nothing against Juventus. And when you look at Juventus, you know, well, good for them that they're already through because, you know, they're going to need to, you know, figure some things out because they're going to face tougher position in the knockout stages. And once again, they haven't won the champions league. I think, uh, Tupac and Biggie were still alive, Heath. Pierce, yeah, the last geez, time. I
2: mean, aren't they? Are, they're not anymore? I thought that was still the <laughs> Asterix. Asterix. Yeah. Asterix. At least for at least for Tupac, but yeah, uh, it's, yeah, yeah, it's it's again. This is my worry with Juventus: is the things that made them so great for so long are the things that are hurting them now, and the fact that they need to go younger. Uh, from a leadership standpoint, also just from a physical activity standpoint, their ability to cover ground, the ability to make plays at the highest level. Juventus defensively this year have looked more like Norwich do in terms of being a step behind. This is not a disrespect to them, just in terms of being a step off the pace required to be a world-class team. And when a team, especially an Italian team, is so used to being so cohesive in how they shift, step, drop, side to side. you know, I've talked about that before, having played with some Italians that played at Inter Milan and, and other clubs like that. There was just this constant need for this unison of everything happens together. If you have one player that's off the step, or they drop, or they don't, they can't keep the pace at at, at the game at the speed this is. I, I worry about them, and and to take a hit in the way that they did today, I think could be shaky for their confidence. Um, obviously, I just look at it and I say, okay, Alexandro, Juan Cuadrado, uh, Benucci. I just go, man, it just feels like those are legendary names. Is it time to maybe have a little refresher? Obviously, Delict is is plenty young to help this team, but is there now a time where we got to go for a? a little roster refresher where post-Ronaldo could a January or summer transfer window resolidify that line to make sure that that attack has a little bit more freedom to go forward and, and, and just, yeah, just, it's not working. Obviously they've been decent, but to take a hit like this against a very good Chelsea side, no disrespect to them, but, uh, but, um, Juventus should never be giving up four goals in any games against anybody no, in the world. That's
1: really the end goal here. Like, four-nothing is is way, way too much. It's funny because I watched the whole of uh, Amazon's all-or-nothing Juventus. I reviewed it for us. And you get that sense inside the dressing room in Juventus where, like, there's the Senators is what they call them, right? Bonucci and Chiellini. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there clearly needs to be a little bit more of a... I, I don't want to say upgrade that's a that's a bad word but you know kind of like a modern adaptation of Juventus in order to just really uh, get get better you know so
2: yeah it's planned. Fans, it's planned man. obsolescence you know like they do with with tech now it's planned obsolescence you have these players you get the most out of them for years then they become a little more obsolete because there's a newer younger better cheaper model out there exactly. they're hard to replace but mm, try it
1: Speaking of which, try getting us to 5,000, everybody. This is ridiculous. If you don't get me to 5,000, I quit, CBS. All right? You can just, you know, forget it. So get us to 5,000. Please, look how close we are. All right? Spread the word. Subscribe. Subscribe. Text somebody. Text a friend. Text your aunt, your grandmother. I don't care. Just get them to subscribe to Diego Lasso. 5,000. We are so close. All right, Daniel. It's here. American players, get away yeah. from me. Six Americans get to start. Jonathan Brooks, Christian Pulisic, McKennie, Tim Weah, Aronson, Fox. Eugenio Des comes off the bench for Barcelona. Unbelievable. And the performance is all over the place. Because Young Boys was three against Atalanta, three. P. Fox strikes again as well. That was amazing. It was Weah against Aronson, um, also in Group G, Sevilla against Wolfsburg. An honorable mention to CONCACAF with Jonathan Davis, 11 goals in last 12 matches in all competitions. But this is about America. Amazing. (laughs) Amazing, Heath Pierce. Uh, How How good do you feel to see all that American talent? As a former player, honestly, how does it feel to just see all that American talent in the Champions League?
2: Do that, America, one more time, and then I'll answer.
1: America!
2: <laughs> there we go. I'm all hyped up now, man. I'm ready to play or do something crazy. Oh, did you want the Lenny uh,
1: Kravitz one? <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, this is... Uh, no, man, look, I'm super proud uh, as as an, uh, an American. When I look at, you know, when we do the USMNT Hour on Mondays, and we, Jimmy and I obviously taking over during the CONCACAF windows, we've become so accustomed now to holding these players and talking about them on the same wavelength as other players in the world that we very rarely stop to realize the accomplishments of where we're at, right? We're talking mm-hmm. about Jordan Peefock being fourth on the depth charts or third or fifth on the depth charts, depending on the window that we're in. He's now got two goals in Champions League this year against huge opponents where he's stepping up Atalanta. We're talking about Manchester United. And this is a guy, yeah, he's been, I think he was out of the lineup for a short time. But man, that's a player that, again, we go back 10 years and you go, if we would, if somebody would have said, hey, there's this guy and he's playing in Europe and he's playing in Champions League. We would have been like, starter, national team, let's go. (laughs) He's our hope. Build him a
1: statue. Yeah, Yeah.
2: we're going to the World Cup. He's going to carry us. Uh, He's going to carry the water on his back. But now you look at it and you go, yeah, that's cool. It's an amazing accomplishment for us. And so, yeah, I guess I'm trying to put it into perspective of just how important it is to know that we've got this depth now and this quality of player that's there. And, you know, you look across the board, Timo Weah playing against Brendan Aronson. Brendan Aronson creating the most chances of his team in the Champions League so far Uh, this year in in the group stages, the team doing well, team away getting a consistent run of games for, for a Lille side that won Ligue 1 last year. You just look across the board. The other one, by the way, John Anthony Brooks, I think he's playing left in a back three Wondering about him and his status at the national team. I still believe that there's something bigger there because, again, you're like, well, how could he, how bad could he be if he's playing or starting in a Champions League? They obviously lost 2 0 to Sevilla, but he's <laughs> still a quality player and makes me wonder what else is going on with him and Greg Burhalter. But not to get into the USMNT discussion of that sort of stuff. Polisic playing, McKinney playing. And by the way, to go back again to the quality of those players that we have right now playing on the field, at no point. Do those players look like they're just surviving? When we had anybody before,
1: individuals in, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. When we had other players in before playing in Europe, Europa League, or something, you go, Gosh, please don't make a mistake. Oh, the gosh, they look a little (laughs) slow. Oh, they're going to get subbed out at halftime. You know, we're like, we watch them with this lens of like, we're not worthy. But now you look at them and you're like, This is just the beginning. This is just, you know, we, I, I, I talk about, um, Henry what was his name that was playing up in um in um Norway before um
1: Oh um help us out there's He's playing
2: he's yeah. playing at he's playing at Fjordish now um anyways the 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 point being is like that Henry was how I, yeah there we go he was the he was the player, and I apologize for not remembering his name. I should it wasn't a disrespect. I'm just on the run of it, flow over caffeinated. halters yeah.
1: not calling him.
2: He's yeah, I can't remember his name. Uh <laughs> Yeah, Uh but when I look at him, the way that he was with with Molda, and then at Ferencvaros, he was a guy that I was like, this is this was our old national team player, which is a good player. It's a great player for for where we are as a nation. But now when I look at the next tier, it's not the guy who. Oh man, Cinderella run. Molda gets into the Europa League or into the Champions League. And, oh, or, or Ferenc Vados, where he's playing in a smaller club. That's our top player who gets in once every three years. Or we have an occasional Demarcus Beasley that goes to a semifinals with PSV Eindhoven, who were again on a Cinderella run, but not really a yeah, huge. You're huge not cutter. doing
1: what Peruvians do. Yeah. Like when I look at Sergio Peno and Mamo, this, uh, this is now a theme of Americans not yeah. just being in the Champions League, but taking a prominent role. There was a question I wanted to ask you because it was a good one. You mentioned Pulisic today. He was playing the nine uh, for large periods of times in that game. There you go. Do you think Greg Berhalter has any ideas from seeing Pulisic at the nine? What do you think of that?
2: Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, yesterday, Jimmy and I on on the, again, the USMNT Hour, we're talking about who's the other number nine. We talked about Timo Weah being a potential nine that could fill into that spot. We talked about Jesus Ferreira coming in in the last camp and playing I or he's Herrera. a little cold, these days. I, I, I called him Jesus because he's got a little bit of that Brazilian flair to him. But <laughs> yeah. Jesus Pereira yeah. and Pereira, yeah. that's also, I think, a Portuguese name. So I'm going to call yeah. him Jesus. Um, right. And it. and uh, and and so w- when we looked at that, we didn't really talk about Pulisic, uh, because Pulisic tends to drift back. And if you could get him to stay in that position. And by the way, we didn't think about that because we never thought through that lens. Pulisic's so good at driving in from the outside, but maybe he can fill in in a bind that would allow some of these other players. We we're trying to there build is, the roster. Uh, there is a um, no. Ferran
1: Torres thing that he could do right where like yeah. you know he he could he drops deep but he comes in i don't i don't think i want way as a nine just because you watch him on that wing and the way that he just comes inside or outside and he's a nightmare for defenders um I, I would like to see him stick out but you know there was mention obviously Aaronson on one side way on the other one and then Polisic in the middle. I can't, that's kind of yeah. sexy. Well,
2: we that's, talked about we talked about if you didn't have uh, Ricardo Pepe or you took him out, now you could think about Polisic playing up top. And then you have a Brennan Aronson that could go on the side. We talked about Serginho Dest the way that he plays midfield or as a winger. And uh, this is good for being Pepe, higher. by the way. This is yeah. good
1: for Pepe because now not all that pressure is on, look, like, you're the nine. You, you know, now he can really compete and see what he can do. So yeah. this is another good problem for the USMNT. It's all good stuff. Exactly.
2: And and you know what? Greg doesn't have to tinker with that in camp. You can allow Thomas Tuchel to try him at number nine, maybe gets a couple more runs at that while there's some injury concerns, obviously going off for Timo Werner later on. But, you know, playing in that position could be one that we, we see another strength in him, keeping him closer to the goal or more connected to the other attacking players. So his runs don't have to start from the halftime half line driving inside for combination play, but actually getting the ball higher up the field. And then we saw that also, again, with Bruno Fernandez, Mason Greenwood, where if you can have a Weston McKinney running those channels or that second runner um, uh, around in and around the box could free up space for him to do the world-class things that he's capable of. So I'm not against it, uh, and it's certainly an option. And again, while we were building the the 23 that go to a World Cup, it certainly makes it a more challenge of like who gets left off if you keep adding all these players who can be the backup in certain positions.
1: Yeah, Miguel saying, you know, uh, USM ending players are becoming more exciting, but it's different having those guys as support versus Chelsea players a support, maybe rotation works, but I don't know about him as a all-out nine. I don't know, man. I don't know. Sometimes, and I, I think you see this a lot in South America, this actually works more when you're with the national team because there's more of a cohesion, there's more of an understanding, and there's more flexibility, especially under a young USMNT side, by the way. But I take your point, especially because the next game is a cracking game against top-of-the-table Canada, so that's going to be a, a really good fixture. Hey, to watch hey by, by the
2: way, on that, on that, uh, Alfonso Davies played as the number nine for Canada right. after starting at left fullback, then left midfield, then right midfield, then now he's playing games at number nine. So there's I mean, definitely he, a utility. You can speak
1: to this for a second, you've played for the national team. Do you think that sometimes when you enter the national team camp, it's almost an unexplainable factor that comes in where you have this cohesion already. And you're kind of willing to open yourself to more diversity in your own positioning. It happens in South America all the time. I'm wondering, did you feel more comfortable going into the national team sometimes because you knew that, I guess, there was more room for both making a mistake and being open to playing in different positions? I mean, it's different for you because you're a defender, but maybe seeing somebody else out there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and later on in the national team, I, I got a chance to, to 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 do a few reps at, at right back for a few moments uh, and things like that. That I wasn't as versatile as a player as I was later in my career. And and later on in my career, I wasn't called up to the national team uh, because I sucked. Um, but but uh, no, I'm just kidding. I didn't suck. Uh, sometimes I did. But the point the point being is is that the first thing that happens when you come into the national team, and the reason why 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 people like it is because most of these players that are from Conmebol, South America, Central America, North America, with CONCACAF, are very far from home. So the mm. first thing you do is you get welcomed home, right? You get welcomed into people that you you culturally identify with, that you feel, whether you're in a good or a bad situation at your club, you get to get away. A lot of people that play in Europe play in places that they wouldn't, out of choice, decide to live at, uh, whether small town or big city. And so it's a chance to escape. So that automatically puts you into this warm and comfortable uh, cohesive environment. Well, now you're part of a group that actually all has one goal. When you're at the club level, yeah, you'll have a one goal goal towards stay in the league, make champions league, win the league. And but it's so different how you measure success that with the national team, you have one direction that you're going, and everybody's going with it. At the club, the person next to you is trying to take your job, and yeah, you're all part, going in the same direction, but it's a little yeah. more cutthroat. And so that creates a little safer environment for you to play and think a little bit differently about possession. Uh positions as well as what's best for the team knowing that this won't be at the detriment of something else. This is actually helping the team to get better and we're all going in that direction together.
1: Yeah, no, well said. I like it. All right, let's do a roundup here by the way. Uh, Bayern Munich, Lewandowski, if you don't give him the Boulogne d'Or, I I don't know, man, but like, you know, once again, he's on nine goals now uh, according to Des Norris, but Bayern Munich won 2-1. Robert Lewandowski, what else can be said about this? This part. Is Bayern Munich higher to you than Chelsea, Man City, or Liverpool? It's just,
2: I mean, when you look at what they did to Benfica in terms of uh, scoring, it, it's just ridiculous the way that they can beat down teams. And then when they're tight games, they know how to tighten it up and, and get results. And then again, they're just incrementally better in every single position than all the teams that they play. And again, when you talk about, we just talked about the cohesiveness. There are few better, and this is why I have them and Chelsea on the same level. It's hard to give one or or the other uh, the not, I'd probably still go with Chelsea with Bayern second, is just that they're just so cohesive that even on their worst days, and yeah, we just saw them lose um, uh, last weekend or the weekend before in, in the league, I believe it was last weekend. Um, saw them lose, actually it was on Friday, so it wasn't the weekend. But yeah, in our weekend recap, we talked about them losing. So they, are, they, they can be beat. It was their second loss of the year in the league. But when I think about just on their worst days, they are very rarely... A team that you go oh man they, they got nothing they're not going to get out of this alive they find a way to get out of this alive in fact you go back to last season more often than not they went down in a lot of not more often than not but often they went down in games only to claw their way back that is like this wake up motivating factor of like oh man we're gonna have to play we're gonna have to work hard have that adversity and they'd come back and win these games they did so it over those and over three and over
1: teams again. those three teams chelsea liverpool man city who would by me be more likely to beat
2: I think Bayern Munich beat, uh, say that again, Liverpool. You said Liverpool, Manchester City, and
1: Chelsea? From our power rankings, right? Chelsea, Chelsea, uh, Liverpool, Man City, or Man City, Liverpool. You could switch it depending on the AFCON argument that you had. Who could Bayern Munich beat, most likely to beat out of those three?
2: Uh, City. I think City. They beat City. I think uh, it's a close game with Chelsea. I think they match up really well with Chelsea, and there's not much there. I think that's a flip of a coin of who wins that straight up. And so then what i are
1: saying is, there's just this German dominance, right? <laughs> there's
2: there's just like very little mystery to them, and even again, I think there's a German intelligence to their game that if they're having a bad day, they know how to just go, all right, throw it all out. Yeah, we're just going to be really hard to beat. And I think Chelsea fundamentally have that as as a foundation of like yeah. it's going to be hell for you to try to score a goal on us today. Oh, by the way. In the other direction, we have world-class players, no matter who we put on, that can beat you on any given day. And we're not going to tell you who we're going to put out. You're going to find out on game day who's going to score against you. And by the way, it might also be a defender because they all score goals too. And so when I think about that, I think they also have a chance against Liverpool. When I think about Liverpool, it's just so hard. I think Bayern could beat them, beat that defense, but it's hard to think about Liverpool also which not racking it, goals. On why,
1: which is why it's so important to top your group. Because, you know, you get that advantage. Tuchel said it. He said it to our James Bench in the interview. He said, listen, like, topping the group means that you go away from home first and then you can wrap it up at home. That, to me, is an advantage. Yep. And he has a good point. And then you get to play other teams that haven't topped the group. And the final one, by the way. Hey, not,
2: not by the way, not, not yeah. to be a homer, but I, I do have my uh, favorite team of all time, Bayern Munich, on my jersey behind me. Uh, see, that's wall, why. So, ever. I've liked them since last year, so.
1: Yeah, he threw the Arsenal shirt right in the garbage, <laughs> by the way. Uh, Malmo and Zenit, by the way, one all. Uh, a consolation point for the Swedes. Zenit scored late in that one, but, you know, that group is basically done and dusted. Before we close out here, shirt sure, out. want to show us that uh, the standings here for the Champions League as we wrap Tuesday's action. Okay, so Bayern, obviously, they're fine. Barcelona have to win or, you know, Basically, if they draw, they just gotta they gotta get a result. Yeah, but
2: I mean Benfica are gonna win that for sure. minus four. So I think a win is the safest bet. You could get a little help. Dina Mokia obviously showing in their form guide that they're uh you know, four four L's in a row yeah. isn't isn't, so they're isn't done. gonna, isn't gonna do it. Group
1: yeah, F, yeah. by the way. Manchester United through to the knockout stages. Villarreal also again, you know, Villarreal is gonna be a tricky game, especially because of Atalanta just getting, uh, well, they salvaged that point at the end. And then if you keep going, Lille, Lille top now and Salzburg are second. Sevilla. Se- this is the group. Geez, yeah. Crazy.
2: That's wild. Just because of the fact that uh, Wolfsburg are still, still in fourth place. Sevilla, obviously getting the huge one. We talked about They're underperforming in, in the champions league so far this season, uh, and and where they would end up, likely, you know, and then RB Salzburg for the last two match days, sitting at the top now, now uh, in in second after two losses in a row. I'm wondering, you know, where this is gonna, where this going to go for them?
1: Yeah, and Chelsea and Juventus are set, so Zenit just wants to hold on to that third and get a result or something so they can go to Europa League, and that sets us up for Wednesday, which obviously includes. Some ridiculous game, but final thoughts, Heath Pierce, before we say goodbye on this Tuesday match day five Champions League recap.
2: Yeah, it would be inappropriate of me to bring up Alfonso Davies playing at a striker position without talking about his partner in crime, Jonathan David, who scored again in the Champions League. And again, showing just the development of North America right now. What an exciting time for these players. <laughs> Obviously scoring the match winner in a 1-0 win over yeah. RB Salzburg, our boy Brendan Aronson, who played in that one. Never,
1: um, Mike. Yeah. Jonathan David is never going to stop scoring for Leo. He's just going to keep... By the way, I asked Ian Poljoy he didn't, he didn't think... I said, is he the best striker in CONCACAF? He said, no. What do you say?
2: Wait, you asked Ian Joy that? Yeah. And he said, no. Did he give an answer?
1: Of who was? No, we were live. Uh, oh, you, know, he, you don't get to say
2: just no. I that's know. an easy well, I mean,
1: Keith, you know, Ian, he doesn't have that much of a. Hey,
2: uh, I will say this, though. When we did our CONCACAF power rankings, I said Kyle Laren, and then Kyle Laren went and bagged two. And that's based on CONCACAF. It was hard because we didn't really build the parameters of like club plus national team form. And, so and who's one for you? Uh, who's one for me? I, I. It has to be uh, Jonathan David. And then Mikael Antonio. You. Yeah, Mikel Antonio is another one too. Where I'm like, yeah, he he moved in. I moved Pepe out of that. I had Kyle Aaron in there as well. Uh, it, but is Antonio, it is Jonathan Davis. It is. I mean, it was. It it wasn't. Mikel Antonio wasn't in that conversation until he scored with twice with Jamaica in in two games. Then you go, okay, this guy's sick. Yeah. Um, well, what, Alex what Martinez
1: him? thinks it's Pepe, but I gotta tell you, Alex, man. Like I'm a, I'm a big fan of Pepe, a friend of the show, a friend of Heath. He still owes him a. Cons- uh, remote uh console for from Xbox or something yeah. but he's been very cold uh as of late it's not it's not necessarily his fault he's been
2: right? goal. he's been good with the national team he's been good at fc dallas but he's he's still a number 9 and number 9s have to score goals consistently
1: the number one job for a yeah. number 9 score goals and that's yeah. he's not doing that so exactly. um but we're big fans, though. But Jonathan David, to me as well, I think he's the best striker in CONCACAF. But, yeah, so that was your final thought then, Jonathan David. You just wanted yep. to make sure that... Yep, that's all right, it. good. Shout out to him. Well, that's it, then. That brings us today's USL, uh, USL. UCL coverage to a close, but we'll be here again tomorrow to recap the second and final. We're still on 4,999. Oh, hey, oh, no. listen, to you. listen to me, everybody. I want you to look at this face. I better have 5,000 for tomorrow's recap. Otherwise... I'm going to blow, I'm going to go crazy. I'll quit CBS and you'll never see me again. For some, that's a good thing, but I'm telling you, let's nice. see 5,000 for crying out loud. You should you should be reading the comments that our producer, Des Norris, is saying right now. He's so angry at all of you. 5,000 tomorrow, all right? But anyway, that brings today's show to a close. We'll be here again tomorrow to recap the second and final signs of Manchester United 5, which includes an epic game at the Etihad as Man City Face PSG, a fight for survival at the Wandas, Atleti face AC Milan to keep their heads above water. A six pointer in Lisbon, a sporting and Dortmund look to join Ajax in the round of 16. And make sure to join us live on YouTube and be part of the conversation. Thank you for watching and listening. Follow Kegolaso Pod on Twitter, Kegolaso Pod. Subscribe to the Kegolaso page on YouTube and hit that notification bell. And of course, subscribe to Kegolaso wherever you get your pods. Heath Beers, thank you so much, brother. Thanks for having me. Thank you, everybody. Have a great, great evening. Help us get to 5,000. Por favor. Have a great night.